Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. And he definitely will be judging the earth very soon after today. Uh, this is uh, Kennard speaking. I'm your host for the Merciful Servants of God Biblical Instructional Program. Something came by my email today that is uh, very significant. Came at, actually yesterday, uh, the 24th of June at 10.49 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is definitely breaking news from CNN. It says, legislation to let legalize same-sex marriage in New York cleared the last major hurdle with a 33-29 to 29 vote in the state Senate, sending the bill to the governor's desk for his expected approval. He's already signed it. So um, I'm going to read another article here in a minute, but uh, for those who were praying for my situation with my wrist, uh, the operation was successful. I, I am officially titanium alloy man in my wrist. Um, I had the surgery. It was the first time I ever had surgery on Wednesday, and everything was okay. And then on Thursday I had excruciating pain. I had to take the painkillers, but I'm okay now, and uh, the healing process has uh, resumed, and um he told me, and he told my uh, my family, my son, and my wife that uh, I should have a complete recovery. So uh, God does not tell us how he's going to heal folks. Uh, he has raised up doctors, and this doctor in particular is a good one. Uh, he's a hand specialist, uh, probably the best one in Ohio. And God uh, led me to the right person to heal me of the uh, fragments that were smashed in my wrist and the radius uh, bone. And there were... He said there were 10. He said it was so many he couldn't keep count. So what he did, he used a screw, and he screwed each of the fragments back together again using this titanium alloy, which um, I found out through research that is not cancerous, although some people think it is. And if it was, then uh, everyone would be getting cancer and everyone would be dying from it. And, of course, hospitals would be sued and doctors would be sued. So uh, it's uh, biocompatible, and it feels it feels great. I don't even feel it in my uh, wrist, so uh, it's... Uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is that doctors do play a role. Doctors, without doctors, uh, it would be much more difficult for women to have births. You wouldn't be able to have C-sections. Uh, in other words, uh, babies would die unnecessarily if it wasn't for doctors. Uh, doctors do have their place in society, and let's respect doctors and realize that even in the days of Yeshua or Jesus, that there were physicians. Luke was a physician. Do you know who Luke is or was? He wrote the book of Acts. And he wrote the Gospel of Luke. And he was a physician. So there's nothing wrong with doctors, those who 
have set up organizations just to put down medicine and doctors don't know what the crap they're doing, basically. Sure, there are some medicine that doctors prescribe that aren't good for you. You can say the same thing for herbs. There's certain herbs that you shouldn't take. You have to be careful about which medications you take, and you have to be careful about who, who, um, which doctor you consult. Just like there's bad teachers, there's good teachers. Just like there's bad doctors, there's good doctors. Uh, so you, you have to, to seek the right type of doctors, and you have to use the wisdom of the Bible again to be able to choose which doctor would be right for your particular situation or which herb. I'm going to give another Bible study on healing because I think, uh, well, actually I know, based on my experience, I have a better understanding of how God heals. And to sum it up, uh, the procedures toward healing yourself is, first of all, go to God and pray that he heals you. If you have an assembly that understands the healing doctrine that's outlined in James chapter 5, as far as healing people, have the elders of the church pray and then anoint the individual where uh, the... Uh, problem is located and then uh, you take you, you take care of yourself the bible says that you must take care of the temple uh, in that case in that context it's talking about the body so you do all you can eat uh, kosher uh, that's revealed in, in leviticus chapter 11 kosher means proper uh, leviticus chapter 11 Deuteronomy chapter 14 as far as which meats and fish you should eat and then also uh, you should take the proper herb for your particular ailment and if you go to my website, it's mercifulserviceofgod.com, you click on ailments and cleansings, um, you click on that menu bar, and you will be taken to a Dr. Christopher website, and he has the most popular ailments that mankind has. And if you click on that, he'll, he'll tell you the right type of herb to take. Now, of course, you should consult your doctor. A little disclaimer here. You should consult your doctor before you do all this stuff. Just like before surgery, I had to tell the doctor all the herbs that I was taking. So to make sure that it wouldn't conflict with any drugs they would give me during the surgery or after the surgery. All right, so always consult your doctor, and doctors are a gift of God, the right ones, not the wrong ones. All right, so I just want to keep you updated about with that. If anyone was praying for me, I appreciate it. And uh, we should pray for anyone uh, that's going through tremendous trials or sicknesses or diseases, and we should focus our lives on helping other people, not just helping ourselves. Now, getting back to this horrendous news about um, gay rights. Um, let me read this article from CNN uh, by the CNN Wire staff, June 25, 2011, 4.52 a.m. Uh, Eastern uh, Standard Time. Boy, they didn't, they didn't hesitate to <laughs> sign this into law. I mean, 4.52 a.m., my goodness. Anyway, uh, in Albany, New York, uh, New York Andrew Cuomo, that's the new mayor there, signed the state's marriage equality bill hours after it passed the Republican-controlled Senate on Friday night, making it the sixth state in the nation to legalize same-sex marriage. So this is the sixth state, and it looks like uh, you know New York is uh, one of the most influential states in the United States, so expect this to just spread like a domino now across the United States. Cuomo signed the bill into law after the legislature cleared the way to legalize same-sex marriage with a 33 to 29 vote, the first time a state senate with a Republican majority has approved such a bill. The new law, which will allow same-sex couples in New York to marry within 30 days, drew a sharp rebuke from opponents, as it should have, who spent millions to try to defeat the measure. We worry that both marriage and the family will be undermined by this tragic presumption of government in passing this legislation that attempts to redefine 
these cornerstones of civilization. And it is the cornerstone of civilization, ladies and gentlemen, for a man and a woman to be married. I'm going to read this scripture that you cannot refute unless you don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah in Matthew chapter 19. I'm going to use this scripture repeatedly because people always say, well, that's Genesis. That's the Old Testament. Well, he quotes from the Old Testament the same exact scripture that people fight and, and, and chew each other on. Okay? So if you're going to argue with someone, argue with Jesus. All right? Because Jesus does not think that a marriage is between a man and a man and a woman and a woman. And this is an affront to God, and I guarantee you that God is going to punish his nation severely for this ruling. I can't tell you when, but I know how he is, and he's pissed off. New York is the leader, the leader of everything in this country, basically. The uh, the United Nations is located in New York. Um, the uh, Federal Reserve Bank is located in New York. This is a tragic day in the history of this country and perhaps the world. We worry that both marriage and the family will be undermined by this tragic presumption of government in passing this legislation that attempts to redefine these cornerstones of civilization, the state's Catholic bishop said in the joint statement released late Friday. It was signed by Archbishop Timothy M. Dolan and seven other bishops. Opponents of the marriage equality law have vowed to take political action against any Republican, any Republican, who voted for the bill. The reason why is because Republicans are conservative. Conservative means they try to stick to um, traditional morals and principles. Okay? And I say try. <laughs> the Senate vote came after days of delays that included last-minute negotiations passing by a slim margin with the support of four Republicans. Cuomo credited four Republican senators who joined the majority of the state Senate Democrats for the passage of the bill, saying they were people of courage. No, I, I can't say they were people of courage. I would say they're people of ignorance and, quite frankly, stupidity. I think it was politically more dangerous for a Republican, Kumo said, told reporters late Friday. The conservative party was threatening them with consequences, and they did it anyway. A vote on the measure, which the Assembly passed June 15, has been stalled in the Senate until Friday. But it turned a corner late Friday, according to Senate Majority Leader Dean Skelos, after lawmakers agreed on an amendment to protect religious groups from litigation that had been pushed by Republicans. So that means I can continue to preach against it. <laughs> or else, you know, someone would try to litigate me, I guess. I don't know. Although I'm not 501c3, so they wouldn't be suing me for anything. I'm not doing this for the money. So anyway, earlier in the day, the Assembly passed a new version of the bill that included the amendment about religious institutions. Kumo, I don't know, it's Kumo or Kumio, I don't know, said it would grant same-sex marriage or said it would grant same-sex couples equal rights to marry as well as hundreds of rights, benefits, and protections that are currently limited to married couples of the opposite sex. New York, which gave birth to the gay rights movement in the 1960s. Okay, so none of you understood that. They actually gave birth to the gay rights movement in the 1960s, will become the sixth state to allow same-sex marriages. Currently, Massachusetts, Connecticut, Iowa, Vermont, and New Hampshire, and the District of Columbia grant same-sex marriage licenses. Activists on both sides of the issue gathered in the state capital, Albany. They chanted opposing slogans, petitioning for either marriage equality or yelling one man, one woman in defense of the institution's traditional de definition, or should I say correct definition, though they could also be seen occasionally mingling and even singing religious songs together. Republicans, led by Skelos, had expressed concerns over the unintended consequences of a bill that redefines the legal parameters of marriage. The measure 
needed three Republican votes to pass a bill which had the support of 31 senators, just one short of the number required for passage earlier this week. New York Mayor Michael Bloomberg, who courted Republicans to approve the bill, called the vote a historic triumph for equality and freedom. Yes, but it's not historic as far as he thinks. In recent weeks, I've had many, this is a quote, I had many conversations with our state senators. I emphasize that not only is marriage equality consistent with bedrock American principles, but is also consistent with bedrock Republican Party principles of liberty and freedom. And the Republicans who stood up today for those principles will long be remembered for their courage, foresight, and wisdom. I disagree. It was no wisdom, foresight, or courage. It was totally the opposite. In fact, 10 or 20 or 30 years from now, I believe they will look back. I don't think they'll be looking back 20 or 30 years from now. Not at this world, anyway. As one of their finest, proudest moments, Bloomberg said in a statement released shortly after the vote. Okay, folks, I'm spending some time on this because I should. This is major. Uh, if you guys don't understand it, this major guy will show you that it's major. Uh, when, when weird things will start happening here to this country, uh, what you don't, I don't think what many people understand, that what is the family made up of? The family is made up of a man or a woman. I mean, man and a woman together. And let's turn to Matthew chapter 19, a scripture that no minister can refute if they truly believe that the Bible is God's words. And this is in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 19. I'm going to go over this over and over and over again when people challenge me or, or people think that Jesus approved of gay rights and all that, because he didn't. Matthew chapter 19, verse 1. Now, when Jesus had finished these sayings, this, this is in the uh, English Standard Version. Now, when Jesus had finished these sayings, he went away from Galilee and entered the region of Judea, which is the West Bank today, beyond the Jordan. And large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. And Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? So right there it tells you that he mu this is talking about marriage. People say, oh, he wasn't talking about marriage. Yes, he's talking about marriage. Divorce is the opposite of marriage. And a wife, you don't have a wife unless you're married. So this is talking about marriage. It doesn't have to say the word marriage for it to be marriage, folks. Okay? Verse 4, he answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? So the context is marriage. So he made them male and female. Now, did Jesus say that he made them male and male or female and female? No, but that, that's what this legislation that was passed today is stating, that God created two males or two females to procreate. That's not what he did. Okay. Now, verse 5, and said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. Okay. This is what Jesus is saying, folks. Can't use the excuse of the Old Testament. And the two shall become one flesh. It doesn't say two males shall become flesh or two females shall become one flesh. And this is Jesus' words again in red letters in your King James Version. Verse 6. So they are no longer two but one flesh to emphasize what he was saying. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. That's a prophecy and that is what's going on today is they are separating, separating, that's a prophecy. And, you know, Jesus was the world's greatest prophet, still is, he's still alive, and that's what they're doing. They're separating male, the institution of marriage. And I have someone here that would like to speak, and I'll let you speak. You're on the air. Well, hello, this is Brian. Hello, Brian. Um, so... <clears throat> I was just tuned in just now, and 
I just read your show is called Respecting Authority. Yes. Uh, I think we should question authority. As the Bible says, beware of false prophets. Yes. Yes. And, you know, as um, authority tells you, uh, you should uh, believe in these wars and, and the torture. I think uh, you should question authority and question those ideas. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to hopefully go over that today about questioning authority, too. You shouldn't believe uh, a king if the king is wrong, right? Right, right. Exactly. You know, and uh, like jury nullification, um, as a fully informed juror, you don't have to enforce corrupt laws. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even if somebody did uh, have a marijuana cigarette, you you'd necessarily wouldn't have to convict them, you know, because you don't agree with that law. It, it's a corrupt law. So as far as marijuana and what it does to you? Uh, just as far as uh, marijuana being illegal is a corrupt law. You know? For it to be illegal, okay. Because I haven't yeah. really researched into that. I don't know whether or not marijuana, I mean, people say all this stuff, but I don't know if marijuana actually damages your body or not. So that's not something I'm qualified to even make a ruling on. Well, so, but you know, they, they released false... false. If, go ahead. Oh, they released false studies, you know, propaganda, basically. You know, they told us back in the 70s and in the 60s and stuff that um, marijuana kills brain cells because of a study they did on monkeys. But what they didn't tell you is that they suffocated the monkeys and concentrated marijuana smoke for four minutes at a time. So it was the well, that may be the case, right? Yeah, and and you know it's it's just <clears throat> I don't know. Yeah, I understand what you're saying, and uh, um, I will hopefully address that issue about questioning authority because I do agree we can't blindly obey people. You know, I, me and my wife suffered for doing that, <laughs> uh, blinding obeying people. So we understand that. So you you, you need to. There's a scripture in the New Testament that prove all things. So we need to prove our leaders and investigate our leaders to make sure that what they're saying is true. And and my my overall uh, thesis of that is that we should use this Bible to do that to the best of our abilities to make sure that uh, our leaders, our politicians, are uh, doing what they're supposed to do. And if not, then don't vote for them. Plain and simple as that. So. I think that there's kind of a, a culture of to to uh, to respect authority, you know, to just be a uh, a servant that just puts your heads down and and does the re- repetitious factory job, you know. That's that's your future. That's what you're trained for in school. That's what you're indoctrinated to. True. You know, that's what I, I believe. Well, you should start at the bottom, but I don't believe that somebody should stay at the factory if they can do, they can always improve themselves and, and uh, become a manager or supervisor themselves. And I believe everyone has that uh, ability to be able to manage other people. Uh, it's just that you're right. Uh, society has uh, put an impressionary type of uh, atmosphere in place to make people think, hey, that's what we need to do for the rest of our lives, take orders from folks. Well, eventually, 
you can mature to the point where you can give orders, and then that cycle repeats itself, and people start to help one another. And as I explained to my son, you know, that whenever you take orders from somebody, it's really like serving people. You say, hey, do, go do this for me. And, and I, if you look at it more as service instead of obedience, uh, I think uh, we'll all start to have a, a better attitude about taking orders from people because, you know, there's always rules and regulations you have to follow. When you're in the, in the car, you have to stop or you should stop. <laughs> uh, you have uh, the speed limit, right, you know, et cetera. You can't drink while you're driving, right? You know, so there's, there's certain rules and regulations. And even if you're in jail, there's rules and regulations. So we're never going to get it. Go ahead. I think man passes laws because he's lazy to to deal with, you know, individual situations. You know, he gets tired of hearing, you know, people argue about, like, a similar issue. So he tries to pass a law to say, oh, this is what we'll do to deal with that situation every time. So then we don't have to worry about it anymore. And then, you know, it just ends up, you know, not thinking, you know, and and injustice takes place because people don't think. They think, well, let the law think for me, you know, because they're lazy. You know, can you agree with that or does that make any sense? Well, I agree that there's so many laws. I mean, there's there's more laws that man has passed than the Bible has. Okay, so there's quite a few laws that are really, yeah, nitpicky and so forth. Um, eventually, a man and a woman has to learn how to grow up and learn how to discipline themselves. But you, go ahead. You'll find yourself, you know, maybe entangled in a situation with the police officer and the law is so complicated that you nor the police officer understand it. And, and you're standing there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you you'd have to, you know, be a lawyer or, or go research it, you know, for a couple of days or something. You know, just on a specific part of the law, you know, and it's it's like it's ridiculous, really. But but drinking and driving is pretty easy to understand. <laughs> I think that's pretty easy to understand that you shouldn't drink and drive. So there's certain laws that men have passed that are pretty easy to understand. But I agree. Well, there's, I, yeah, there's too many I of think, them that are complicated. Right. Right. Well, I think you know, if there's no victim, there should be no crime. You know, as far as. Uh, a lot of these laws that we have. You know, that, like, okay, well, hey, it was nice, nice speaking to you. I got to get back. I have a lot of material I have to cover, but you know, I appreciate uh, your input, and uh, may you have a pleasant day. See you. Okay, see you. Bye. Okay, uh, getting back to uh, Matthew chapter 19 because I, I don't want to detract from this what, what has occurred today. Um, it's very important that I address this. And this is a prophecy. The reason why I say it's a prophecy, because it was uh, quoted by the world's greatest prophet, and it says, let not man separate the union of man and woman, and it's being done today as I'm speaking. Actually, it's, it's, the process has started several years ago, but the significance of today is that New York is is the one of the most influential, if not the most influential state in the United States. And this is going to influence all other states to, to do exactly what New York has done. I feared this, uh, not in a cowardly way, but as far as what God is going to do uh, to this nation, because uh, it's, it's, it's very, very, very 
and someone else is calling in here, and I'm going to have to, uh, um, okay, well, okay, my wife said let you talk, so let me go ahead and do that. You're on the air. Hello? 405-532-1396, you're on the air. Okay, well, all right, uh, getting back to this. says, let not, mind, let not man separate. That's in verse 6. and verse 7, they said to him, When did Moses command one to give her a certificate of divorce and to send her away? And he said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality, or that sexual immorality can involve all kinds of sexual sins, and marries another commits adultery. All right, so anyway, we have this uh, landmark ruling here, and, you know, as a servant of God, I, I must warn this nation, and I must warn this world that uh, this is really the beginning of very serious problems that we're going to have in the future. And again, I, I don't, I hope you understand the significance of what has happened today. New York is not Maine or it's not a little insignificant state. It's, it's probably the most influential state outside of California in the United States. Um, I think California has already passed, haven't they? Same sex. Uh, let me look on here and see. I know they probably will after today. Let's see. Um, what other states here? Yeah, I know, Sheree. I'm looking at the article right now. No, not yet. That's surprising. I'm sure that California is going to be on its way pretty soon after this. I know they're they're trying to push it. Of course, after uh, what has happened today, it should not be too much of a problem for California either. And California is the most populous state in the United States. Okay, so and 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 we're going to talk about CORE today, but this is interesting that in the context of CORE, uh, it talks about. Um, other things here. Um, let's look at this prophecy here in Jude. Jude, a chapter, okay, so it's only one chapter, so Jude 5. Uh, in the English Standard Version of the Bible. Now, I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved a people out of the land of Egypt, after afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And that's interesting. It says Jesus. And you say, hey, who's G well, Jesus was the, the angel of the Lord back in the uh, Old Testament. Verse 6, And the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, and that's what we're talking about today, authority, but left their proper dwelling... He has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. Now, this is in the context of just as Sodom and Gomorrah. And look, Sodom and Gomorrah wasn't just homosexuality, but homosexuality is what caused God to, to say, hey, this is it. i got to destroy. <laughs> i got to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. There was other sins, too. Laziness, uh, failure to take care of the poor, pride, uh, just total idleness, not wanting to do anything. So those are the other sins that are really prevalent among America and, and other rich countries today. 
says, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulge in sexual immorality, which includes homosexuality, and pursued unnatural desire, which includes, um, based on the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 19, uh, unnatural desire definitely is under the lines of thinking that men and men and women and women can marry, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Okay, so that's what's about to happen, folks. Uh, this whole earth one day will be purified of all the wickedness. And this is interesting as in the context of sexual immorality, which God hates. So I'm just letting you know. I'm just telling you what, what the Bible says here and then uh, in Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. You know, you have to use your common sense and realize, look, how can two men and two women procreate? You have two sperms and two eggs. It's not possible. Marriage is one flesh, and through that one flesh, there is creation. This ruling proves that our leaders can't think straight. Either they can't think straight, or they're just doing it just to get money, or have their constituents vote for them, and of course the constituents aren't thinking straight. Whatever, somebody's not thinking straight. And God is going to do all he can to help us think straight, folks. Now, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. All I know is that God, I just read to you that this is in the context of eternal fire. And um, I'm just quoting to you from the greatest prophet of all time, uh, Luke chapter 17. This is what the greatest prophet of all time has said about these times that we're living in today. Verse 22, the days are coming. Luke 17, verse 22. The days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say, look there, or look there, do not go out or follow them. For as the lightning flashes and the lights up the sky from one side to another, so will the Son of Man be in his day. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation, just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking. He's talking about his second coming, which is future. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, likewise as in the days of Lot. So it's telling you the days of Noah were similar to the days of Lot. Now, what, what were the days of Lot about? Sodom and Gomorrah, which included homosexuality. Verse 28, likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on that day when Lot came out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. So it would be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Today is is perhaps the genesis of, of this occurring, the start of this process leading up to the destruction of people that persist that it's okay to be gay, and they know they're wrong different if they don't know they're wrong and they've been taught and indoctrinated the wrong way but if people read these scriptures and they say no i don't believe that marriage is just between a man and a woman you're going to be mightily judge of god and god says so not me so this is a very serious thing here and i wouldn't be a servant of god if i didn't address this uh this nation uh, you better brace yourself we're going to be going through some very difficult times now very difficult times now, and the only way to be able to really, really overcome these times now is to stay close to God, because if New York 
can pass a legislation like this, is you have a lot of intelligent people, so-called wise people in New York, if they can allow something like this, if no Lord knows what else they'll allow. That's immoral. They'll probably say that it's okay to have sex with animals now, or it's okay to, to marry among your, your sister and brothers. There's no telling where this is going to go. But uh, all I'm saying is that our nation right now is sick, sick to the core. Uh, Isaiah chapter 3, or chapter 1 prophesies and says that we're sick. Uh, we are the modern nation of Israel today. If people don't understand that, go to www.beasinboyritam.org to get more information. It proves to you that the United States, Britain, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, the countries in northwestern Europe, Canada, Israel, the little nation of Israel, are all part of the 12 tribes of Israel. That's uh, www.britam.org. Of course, anyone that claims that they are a believer of Yeshua Messiah is automatically grafted into Israel. And we are the most Bible-loving people in the world. Most of the Bibles are distributed in Canada and the United States and those other regions that I told you about. So that is one of the proofs. Another proof is that we are fat people, big people, and rich people. And Deuteronomy chapter 32 tells us that we're Jezreel and we wax fat. A common characteristic of our people, we love to eat, 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 eat. Let's look at our televisions four or five, six hours a day and be lazy. And that's the kind of people we are, and that's one of the sins of Sodom that we exhibit on a daily basis. Uh, the fact that we, we look at ridiculous movies, um, X-Men First Class, uh, two hours and ten minutes, and yet we have a problem listening to two hour and ten minute Bible study or whatever it shows us that we have that inherent within us, and we have to weed that out and focus on what's more important. But God is going to mightily show us what's more important, folks. I will tell you that. He is going to definitely show you what's important, and uh, we need to be prepared for that. There is a God. This God wants to be obeyed, and he wants to be respected, and he deserves to be respected. And he didn't have to create us. We need to stop worshiping his creation, and we need to worship him first, and then appreciate what he's created. That's what we must do. Okay, uh, this Torah portion today is about respecting authority, and it talks about uh, Kor's rebellion. And I'm just going to, because I don't have the time to really go into this uh, today like I would like, So, and because of my broken wrist and all that and what happened, so I'm, I'm going to uh, summarize it using Chabad.org. That's uh, C-H-A-B as in boy, A-D dot org, core. And it's Numbers chapter 16, verse 1 to Numbers 18, verse 32. It says, Core incites a mutiny challenging Moses' leadership and the granting of the Kunah priesthood to Aaron. He is accompanied by Moses' um, inveterate foes, Dathan and Avram. Joining them are 250 distinguished members of the community who offer the sacrosanct or keteret incense to prove their worthiness for the priesthood. The earth opens up and swallows the mutineers, and the fire consumes the Keteret offerers. A subsequent plague is stopped by Aaron's offering a Keteret. Aaron's staff miraculously blossoms and brings forth almonds to prove that his designation as high priest is divinely ordained. God commands that a tumor or uplifting from each crop of grain, 
wine and oil, as well as the firstborn sheep and cattle and other specified gifts, be given to a co- to the Kohanim, and that's Hebrew for priests. Okay, so uh, let's go over this a little more in detail. Let me see how much time I have left here. Yeah, about 54 minutes, okay, I need to cover this material here. Okay, Numbers chapter 16, because this is important. Numbers chapter 16. Numbers chapter 16. It says, Now Kor, the son of Izar, son of Kohath, son of Levi, and Dathan and Abram, the sons of Eliab, and on, and on the son of Pelu, the sons of Reuben, took men, and they rose up before Moses with a number of the people of Israel, 250 chiefs of the congregation, chosen from the assembly, well-known men. So these are real popular men among the congregation. Woo, verse 3. They assembled themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said to them, You have gone too far. Okay, here we go. They're not respecting authority. All right. For all in the congregation or assembly are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. In other words, what makes you so special, Moses and Aaron? Verse 4. When Moses heard it, he fell on his face, and he said to Korah and all his company, and, you know, God said he was the most humble man on earth, and as you can see, uh, <laughs> what he just did there proves that. In the morning... The Lord will show who he is and who is holy and will bring him near to him. The one who he chooses, he will bring near to him. Do this, take census core and all his company, put fire in them and put incense on them before the Lord tomorrow. And the man whom the Lord chooses shall be the holy one. You have gone too far, sons of Levi. And Moses said to Kor, Hear now, you sons of Levi. It is, is it too small a thing for you that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself to do service in the tabernacle of the Lord and to stand before the congregation and minister to them and that he has brought you near him and all your brothers and sons of Levi with you and would you seek the priesthood also? So God has given Levi's responsibility, but they want more. They want more power and that's the way a lot of people had that issue today or more people than should. They want more authority. They want more authority. You know, I tell my son, uh, I think frequently that I wouldn't want to have God's authority, God the Father's authority. <laughs> you just think of it. He, he's He's he rules everything. He, he he's he's over everything, you know. I, and that's a tremendous amount of responsibility. I wouldn't want that, but some people would. Like the devil wants that responsibility. That's the reason why he's the devil today, right? He wanted to knock God off his throne, uh, outlined in Isaiah chapter fourteen, and uh, God said, <laughs> "You're not knocking me off my throne," you know. So he knocked him back down to earth. You know, and uh, the devil, his whole goal is to, is, is to defeat God and become like God or become God himself, which is ridiculous, but that's that's what he thinks. That's that's what he actually believes, that he can become God, that he can have all of God's power. That's where rebellion comes from. It comes from him. You know, and we have to all understand, as I explained to my son repeatedly, that there's only one being in the universe that doesn't take orders. That's God the Father. Everyone else, including Jesus himself, must take orders from somebody. And as I was trying to explain to the gentleman today, that we need to all look at obedience as service. Even Christ, who created all of us, stated that he did not come to the earth to be served, but to serve. And we should all have that attitude. Obedience is service. That's what it is. And we're going to look at some other scriptures today from the New Testament, that proves to you that we need to have that attitude of service 
That's what God expects from all of us, even when we're not treated right. Anyway, verse 8. And Moses said to the to Korah, Hear now, you sons of Levi. It, it is a, Okay, wait a minute. Verse 11 of number 16. Therefore it is against the Lord that you and all your company have gathered together. What is Aaron that you grumble against him? Verse 12. And Moses sent to call Dathan and Abram, the sons of Eliab, and they said, We will not come up. Is it a small thing that you have brought us out of the land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness that you must also make yourself a prince over it? See, so this is false accusations, and I experience this too. Uh, when people don't want to obey you, they lie on you. They say things that are not true. And, and the lie here was that, uh, is it a small thing that you have brought us out of the land of flowing milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness, that you must also make yourself a prince over this? Now, he did not make himself a prince. God made him a prince over them. Okay, and they didn't. They certainly didn't uh, take them to the wilderness to kill them. Okay, but that's a lie. And when people want their way, they try to lie to get their way. Verse 14, or justify their wickedness. Verse 14, moreover, you have not brought us into a land of flowing with milk and honey, nor given us inheritance of fields and vineyards. Will you put out the eyes of these men? Will we not come up? And Moses was very angry and said, and rightfully so, and said to the Lord, Do not respect their offering. I have not taken one donkey from them, and I have not harmed one of them. So unlike a lot of ministers today, uh, Moses wasn't uh, in ministry just to get something from them. He said he has not even taken a donkey from them. Verse 16, And Moses said to Korah, Be present, you and all your company, before the Lord, you and they and Aaron tomorrow, and let every one of you take his censer and put incense on it, and every one of you bring before the Lord his censer. 250 censers, you also and Aaron, each his censer. So every man took his censer and put fire in them and laid incense on them and stood at the entrance of the tent of meeting with Moses and Aaron. Then Korah assembled all the congregation against him at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And the glory of the Lord appeared to all the congregation. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, Separate yourselves from among this congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. And that's how much God hates you not respecting his authority through a man. He hates that. He hates that. And for those who think this is just Old Testament, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. He says, All these things were written for our examples until the ends of the world come. Okay, so... <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 10 proves that we need to, to, to look at these stories and apply them to today. Okay? So anyway, um, as far as the social fabric, as far as, far as the character flaws of what was going, what is going on here. All right. So in verse 18, oh, okay, wait a minute. Verse 20, And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, Separate yourselves from among this assembly or congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. In a moment. <laughs> Similar to what's going to happen for those who continue to to um, participate in the sins of Sodom. That's what will happen to each and every one if we don't repent of that, that wickedness. And it's not just homosexuality. It's being lazy, uh, eating too much, uh, not caring for the poor. We all have to weed that type of wickedness out of us to be um, acceptable to God. Verse 22, and they fell on their faces and said, O God, the God of the spirits of all flesh, and he's the God of the spirits of all flesh, which means that there are spirits in our bodies, shall one man sin, and will you be angry with all the congregation? And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Say to the congregation, Get away from the dwelling of Kor, Dathan, and Abraham. Verse 25, then Moses rose and went to Dathan and Abraham, Abraham, and the elders of Israel followed 
him, and he spoke to the congregation, saying, Depart, please, from the tents of these wicked men, and touch nothing of theirs. Now, they're wicked men because they weren't respecting authority. You are wicked if you don't respect righteous authority. Now, as I was telling the gentleman, that there are some cases where your rulers, the president, whatever, tells you things that are against God's law. In those cases, you are not required to obey that leader who has proven himself to be wicked. But in a lot of cases, folks, it ain't that. It's just just that people just don't want to obey authority, and this is one of those cases here. Verse 26, And he spoke to the congregation, saying, Depart, please, from the tents of these wicked men, and touch nothing of theirs, that not you be swept away from all their sins. So they got away from the dwelling of Kor, Dathan, and Abraham, and Dathan and Abraham came out and stood at the door of their tents, together with their wives, their sons, and their little ones. And Moses said, Hereby you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works, and that it has not been of my own accord. And that's what people don't understand. God has raised up people to teach his word and to guide and lead people. If if people didn't need leadership, there would no it would be no reason for leadership, but people need leadership. <laughs> this world is going to be ruled by Jews first, uh, 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 folks. Uh, Jesus and the apostles would be ruling over the tribes of Israel and the entire world in the future. So there's always going to be leadership. If you can't understand that, you're going to have a difficult time in this world and in the next. So you're going to have to understand that uh, there's only one being that qualifies to be told not what to do, the being that created everything. Other than that, everyone else needs to obey this being. Okay? Plain and simple as that, or you won't be around to do anything. All right, so um, all right. So in verse 20, Moses said, Hereby you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works, and that it has not been of my own accord. It's not been of my own accord. So that's an important thing to understand there. Okay, and... Verse 29, if these men die as all men die, or if they are visited by the fate of all mankind, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord creates something new, and the ground opens its mouth and swallows them up with all that belongs to them, and they go down alive into Sheol, then you shall know that these men have despised the Lord. Verse 31, and as soon as he had finished speaking all these words, the ground under them split apart. And the earth opened his mouth and swallowed them up with their households and all the people who belonged to Kor and all their goods. So they and all that belonged to them went down alive into Sheol, or the realm of the dead, or the grave. And the earth closed over them, and they perished from the midst of the assembly. And all Israel who were around and fled at their cry, and they said, Let that not the earth swallow us up too. <laughs> and fire came out from the Lord to consume the 250 men offering the incense. Verse 36. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Until Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, to take up the censers out of the blaze, then scatter the fire far and wide, for they have become holy. As for the censers of these men who have sinned at the cost of their lives, let them be made into hammered plates as covering for the altar, for they offered them before the Lord, and they became holy. Thus they shall be a sign to the people of Israel. Okay, so you understand what happened here? And, uh, well, actually, let me read the rest of this here. This is important. Verse 30, so Eleazar the priest took the bronze censers and those who were burned had offered and they were hammered as a covering for the altar to be a reminder of the people of Israel so that no outsider who is not of the descendants of Aaron should draw near to burn incense before the Lord that not he become like Kor and his company as the Lord said to him through Moses. But on the next day, all the congregation and the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and against Aaron saying, 
You have killed the people of the Lord. So here we go again. Another lie. You know, you know. I, I find this. You know, I've been in this world for forty-five years, and one of the things that I find with people, when they start sinning, or when they are in the process of sin, they don't think straight. Uh, none of us think straight when we're, we're sinning, and you say illogical things. And this is an illogical thing. He said, you have killed the people of the Lord. I mean, how can a man do that? How can a man cause an earthquake? You know, so that's what I'm saying. I mean, it's just, when you start sinning, you say things that are idiot, uh, just uh, uh, from a mind of an idiot, basically. And, and that's what they were doing. An idiot is someone who can't think straight. And for them, the falsely accused Moses in the hearing of killing the people of the Lord. They didn't kill the people of the Lord. The Lord did. He killed his own people. Because they sinned against him. It says, you have killed the people of the Lord. And when the congregation assembled against Moses and against Aaron, they turned toward the tent of the meeting, and behold, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord appeared. Here we go again with the rebellion again. The rebellion not respecting authority. It's a major problem, folks. And that's why I'm addressing it today. That's why God is using me to address this. Because we don't want to respect the eternal authority of God, as far as morality is concerned, this nation's going to be cursed. Now, I don't know if the guy was trying to call me a false prophet. He's calling God a false prophet because God has ordained in the scriptures that when you violate his law, especially to that point, to the point of damaging society and the fabric of the family itself, there will be huge ramifications for that. Now, I can't sit up here and tell you exactly in detail what he's going to do to curse this nation, but I do know whenever we sin, we curse ourselves. And our leaders, our leaders are not leaders, most of them. They're pretenders. They don't really study their Bibles like they should. And they just don't know God's will. For them to pass this legislation like this proves that. And this nation will be mightily judged. And if you can call me a false prophet all you want, but God said, he, I'm not a, for one thing, I didn't call myself a prophet. Number two, I'm just a servant of God, and I'm just preaching to you out the scriptures what God has stated. Now, Jesus, the greatest prophet of all time, said, let not man separate the marriage union. And what is occurring today? Sure, right? So, Jesus is the greatest prophet of all time. He prophesied, not me, that man would try to separate the marriage. Uh, well, actually, he already did anyway. I mean, in Luke chapter 17, he said it would happen, as in the days of Lot. It's happening right now as I'm speaking. So I guess you're calling Jesus a false prophet. All right? So if you want to call Jesus a false prophet, just like uh, the people here uh, were falsely accusing Moses and Aaron of killing the people and doing all kinds of other wicked things, you can go ahead and falsely you know, use me as a punching bag, fine. But you better watch it. You start messing around with the servant of God, God's going to mess with you. That's the lesson to learn out of this too. Okay? So... All I do, anybody can prove what I say out of here. All you got to do is get, blow the dust off your Bible, if you have dust on it, and look in there yourself, and you'll see what I'm saying is true. I have nothing to hide. Okay, so, um, but I wouldn't love God, and I wouldn't love you, if I didn't tell you the seriousness of what has happened today. It's very serious. I feel sad for this country. I feel sad for the world. But I knew it was coming eventually. Because our capacity for wickedness is just almost incom incomprehensible at this point. 
So anyway, Numbers chapter 16. Okay, verse 43. And Moses and Aaron came to the front of the tent in the meeting, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Get away from the midst of the congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. Here we go again. And you're going to see in Jude, it talks about this situation. It talks about the, the, the chorus situation in the context of Sodom and Gomorrah again. That's the amazing thing about this. Anyway, um, and they fell on their faces. And Moses said to Aaron, Take your censer and put fire on it from... The, off the altar and lay incense on it and carry it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them. Atonement for them. For wrath has gone out from the Lord, the plague has begun. So if it wasn't for Moses, it would have been more people destroyed. <sighs> Verse 47. Why don't people understand that God means business? I'm telling you. Verse 47. So Aaron took it as Moses said and ran into the midst of the assembly. And behold, the plague had already begun among the people. And he put on the incense and made atonement for the people. And he stood between the dead and the living, and the plague was stopped. Now those who died in the plague were 14,700 people, beside those who died in the affair of Korah. And Aaron returned to Moses at the entrance of the tent of meeting when the plague was stopped. Okay, so that is a sad story, folks. And I hope that this is something that you, you learn from and realize that the church in Ephesians chapter 2 is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. One of those prophets is the greatest prophet who ever lived other than John the Baptist, Moses. You have Jesus, you have John the Baptist, and you have Moses. Okay? And Moses was one of the greatest prophets of all time. And the assembly of God is based on the foundation of what Moses wrote. We've got to respect authority when that authority is righteous. When we don't, there's consequences and ramifications that will be, um, what am I trying to say, that will be experienced. Okay, um, the next reading, I have 36 minutes here. I'm going to go to some other scriptures to help us understand authority and what the New Testament says about it for those who still are under the deception that the Old Testament is done away with. Um, here's a little summary of what I'm going to read here. First uh, Samuel 11, verses 14 to First Samuel 12, verse 22. The prophet Samuel, a descendant of Korah, the protagonist of this week's Torah portion, which is interesting. So Samuel is a descendant of Korah gathers the Jews to firmly install Saul as king of Israel. During the course of his address to the Jews, he called out, Here I am, bear witness against me before God and before his anointed. Whose ox did I take, or whose ass did I take, or whom did I rob, or whom did I oppress, or from whom's hand did I take a bribe? This echoes Moses' statement in this week's Torah reading, I have not taken a donkey from a single one of them, and I have not harmed a single one of them. So he was falsely accused, as many prophets have been and still are today. Uh, the nation gathers at Gilgal for a second coronation of King Saul, the first one having lacked a convincing consensus. They offer sacrifices and rejoice together. The prophet Samuel then delivers a talk. He asked the people to testify that he never committed crimes against the people, and they confirm. He discusses how God saved and aided them every step of the way and chastises them for wanting 
a flesh and blood king. He assures them that God will be with them if they follow in his ways and of the consequences they will face if they do not follow God's word. And we're going to read this. It's pretty interesting. To underscore the seriousness of his word, Samuel asked God to send a thunderstorm, although it was not the rainy season. The Jewish people got the message and asked Samuel, or I will say the children of Israel, got the message and asked Samuel to intercede on their behalf and to have the thunderstorm cease. The Hattorah ends with a reassurance, for God will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, for God has sworn to make you a people for himself. So let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter 11. Starting in verse 14. It says, Then Samuel said to the people, Come, let us go to Gilgal, and there renew the kingdom. So all the people went to Gilgal, and there they made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal. They sacrificed their peace offerings before the Lord, and there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly in it. And Samuel said to all Israel, Behold, I have obeyed your voice and all that you have said to me, and have made a king over you. And now, behold, the king walks before you, and I am old and gray. And behold, my sons are with you. I have walked before you from my mouth until this day. Here I am, testify against me before the Lord and before his anointed. Whose ox have I taken, or whose donkey have I taken, or whom have I defrauded? Whom have I oppressed, or who, or from whose hand have I taken a bribe to blind my eyes with it? Testify against me, and I will restore it to you. They said, You have not defrauded us, or oppressed us, or taken anything from any man's hand. And he said to them, The Lord is witness against you, and his anointed is a witness this day, that you have not found anything in my hand. And they said, He is witness. And Samuel said to the people, The Lord is witness, who appointed Moses and Aaron, and brought your fathers up out of the land of Egypt. Now therefore stand still, that I may plead with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous deeds of the Lord that he performed for you and your fathers. When Jacob went into Egypt, and the Egyptians oppressed him, then your fathers cried out to the Lord, and the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, who brought your fathers out of Egypt and made them dwell in this place. But they forgot the Lord their God, and he sold them into the hand of Sisera, commander of the army of Hazar, and into the land of the Philistines, and into the hand of the king of Moab. And they fought against them, and they cried out to the Lord and said, We have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord and have served the Baals and Ashtoreth. And now deliver us out of the hand of our enemies that we may serve you. And the Lord sent Jerobel and Barak and Japheth and Samuel and delivered you out of the land of your enemies on every side, and you lived in safety. And when you saw that Nahash, the king of the Ammonites, came against you, you said to me, No, but a king shall reign over us when the Lord your God was your king. And now, behold, the king whom you have chosen, for whom you have asked, behold, the Lord has set a king over you. If you will fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, and if you both, if both you and the king who reigns over you will follow the Lord your God, and hope the gentleman is listening, the king has to follow the, the commandments and so the people to have peace. Okay? Then the hand of the Lord will be against you. Oh, amen. Okay, and if you both and the king who reigns over you will follow the Lord your God, it will be well. Verse 15, but if you will not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the command of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you and your king. Now, see, that's, <laughs> let me repeat this again. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord. Now, in the case that I mentioned today, the, the Bible plainly states in Leviticus 18, Leviticus chapter 22, and various places in the New Testament that it is wrong to have homosexual feelings and, and it's wrong, basically, to, to marry a man 
and to think that you can procreate through that man, or for a woman to marry a woman, and for a woman to think they can procreate through the woman. That's a sin. Okay, and it states right here in verse 13, but if you will not obey the voice of the Lord but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you and your king. That's why I can confidently say that this nation will be severely cursed for something like this. This is a major sin. This is not a sin that will not cause death, folks. This is a sin that will cause death. <laughs> so, 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 you know, what? What? Well, yeah, I'm going to show that here in a minute, Sheree, but let me, you know, let me get through. I have to, this is not a very, it's not just one scripture and that's it, go home. I mean, this is a very detailed and specific subject, a subject that has been uh, among the midst of deception that ministers have preached to try to justify the wickedness. And for me, to explain this thoroughly, I have to do it the way it's done. It's like when you sit down and look at X-Men First Class, you have no issues with looking at that, you have to focus on what I'm saying here, okay? You have to focus on, look at this as a movie. This is a real movie. This is your life, okay? So listen to this. So anyway, um, so anyway, uh, where am I at here? Verse 15. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the command of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you and your king. Now therefore stand still and see this great thing that the Lord will do before your eyes. Is it not wheat harvest today? I will call upon the Lord that he may send thunder and rain. And you shall know and see that your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord, and asking for yourselves a king. So the prophet saw, and remember, the foundation of the church is based on what? The assembly of the church is based on the apostles and the prophets. Samuel was a prophet or a seer. And he's saying here that it was great wickedness for them to choose a king. Verse 18, so Samuel called upon the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day, and all the people greatly feared the Lord and, and Samuel. And all the people said to Samuel, pray for your servants of the Lord your God, that we may not die, for we have added to our sins this evil to ask for ourselves a king. The reason why it was evil, for folks, is because God wants to be our king. When he comes back, he's going to be king of the whole earth. And God, he, he took offense to that, as he should. You know, uh, why do you prefer a man that I created over you when you should be ruling over me and you should follow who I dictate. But they wanted to choose a king. Okay, so God let them do that. So anyway, um, so Samuel called upon the Lord and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day and all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. In verse 20, And Samuel said to the Lord, Do not be afraid. You have done all this evil, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart, and do not turn aside from empty things that cannot profit or deliver, for they are empty. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his, for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you, and I will instruct you in the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him rightfully or faithfully with all your heart. That's all a true servant of God is supposed to do, is instruct you in the good and the right way, folks. Verse 24, only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart, for consider what great things he has done for you. But if you still do wickedly, you shall be swept away, both you and your king. And then, as a complimentary scripture here in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 10. First uh, Samuel 8, verse 10. So Samuel told all the, the words of the Lord to the people who were asking for a king from him. 
He said, These will be the ways of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them to his chariots and, and to be his horsemen to run before his chariots. He will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties, and some to plow his ground and to reap his harvest, and to make his implements of war and the equipment of his chariots. Sound like uh, the presidency, doesn't it? He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. The president has uh, cooks and bakers, right? Uh, he will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive orchards and give them to his servants. He does that. He will take the tenth of your grain and of your vineyards and give it to his officers and to his servants. He will take your male servants and female servants and the best of your young men and your donkeys and put them to his work. He will take the tenth of your flocks and you shall be slaves. In other words, tax you to death. And in that day you will cry out because of your king. <laughs> this is a prophecy, folks. Uh, whom you have chosen for yourselves, and the Lord will not answer you in that day. But the people, of course, refused to obey the voice of Samuel, one of the greatest prophets of all. And they said, No, but there shall be a king over us, that we may also be like all the nations, that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And, and when Samuel heard all the words of the people, he repeated them in the ears of the Lord, and the Lord said to Samuel, Obey their voice and make them a king. Samuel said to the men, Go every man in this city. So, you know, God gave in to them. Uh, to, prove, to, to show them and to show us the, the futility of it all. Okay, we, we 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 really don't rule ourselves properly. We need God's guidance, and uh, this is a prophecy that proves that, folks. Okay, so uh, we have 24 minutes left here, and I want to go over some scriptures about the authority thing here. Um, I went over some of these scriptures already, but I'm going to go over them again for the audience that not, did not have the advantage of listening to what I was talking about. Now, in Hebrews uh, chapter 13, let's, let's talk about New Testaments. I know I've got some people that are just brainwashing to thinking, hey, just New Testament, Old Testament is toilet paper. So, and you know, I don't believe that the Old Testament is toilet paper. Hebrews chapter 13. When I mean by brainwash, uh, taught something and you didn't really prove whether or not it was true or not. Hebrews, and we've all been brainwashed. I've been brainwashed. My wife's been brainwashed. Hebrews 13, verse 7. It says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider, and see, those who speak the word of God are considered leaders. Okay? Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And this is interesting that God would throw this in there like that for people who think that Jesus Christ has changed, that Jesus Christ, uh, oh, he did away with the law of God or the law of Moses, which is the law of God, and he's not the same. Yes, he is. Uh, Jesus Christ, in the context of speaking the word of God, is the same yesterday and today and forever. Verse 9, do not be led away by diverse and strange teaching. Again, this is interesting. They throw this in here. And it talks about preaching and then also false doctrines. Uh, verse 9, do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, favor, not by foods which have not been benefited, which have not benefited those devoted to them. Verse 10, we have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So also Jesus suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured for. Here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. That's New Jerusalem, which is in Revelation chapter 21. Though 
through him, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. That's what the sacrifices also represent, is giving and sharing your resources to other people. When the the ancient Israelites offered sacrifices, they offered valuable resources like their cows, their their sheep, and they offered it to the priests and they shared it with the priests. And of course, the uh, when they burnt or consumed the lamb, the uh, incense or the the smell of the lamb was pleasing to God. Verse seventeen. In the context of this, obedience is service. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. All right? So that is a commandment from God to tell us that we must respect authority. And if we don't respect authority, then uh, we're going to have some issues. First uh, Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 13. First Peter chapter two. Remind me uh, to quote Jude. Okay, the half brother of Jesus. First Peter chapter two, beginning in verse thirteen. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. I hope the gentleman is listening to this. This is in your New Testament. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him, to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God. This is God's will. God has set up government. If we didn't have police, everyone would be dead probably. You know, If we didn't have jail systems, this, this country would be so much more violent than what it is right now. The whole world would be. So let's praise God that he has some kind of constraint some kind of uh, government set up that we can bear the trials and the wickedness that we experience on a daily basis. We wouldn't be able to walk the street if we didn't have policemen today. All right, so verse 14, or to the governors is sent by him to punish those who do evil, and that's the responsibility is to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. And I think we forgot about the praise those who do good because I've listened to, I've heard of some real heroes, not Superman or Batman, but real heroes uh, taking a bullet for somebody or rescuing a little baby. And policemen and officers, they do praise those individuals. CNN has a segment called Heroes. So this is prophetic, what Peter is saying here. Um, for this is the will of God that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free. Now this is, I hope, the gentleman is listening and other people listening to this. Verse 16 of 1 Peter chapter 2. This is very significant. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Verse 18. Service. Be subject to your masters. And in the 21st century, a master today is a boss, and a servant is an employee. All right? So, employees, be subject to your bosses with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. Those who may curse at you and say, uh, you nuthead, uh, sweep the floor. 
you know, you, you still see before and just pray that God, had, you know, would uh, uh, have mercy on him and, and punish him accordingly for mistreating him silently, okay? Uh, verse 19, for this is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. So God wants us to endure, and he says this is a gracious thing when one endures sorrow <laughs> while suffering unjustly. It, that's right there, folks, for anyone to see. In your New Testament, not Old Testament. Verse 20, for what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? So he's saying, hey, if you get what you deserve, what credit is that? That doesn't impress God, you know. But if you, but if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is gracious thing in the sight of God. God has called us to suffering, folks. If you don't understand that, you're not a true believer. You're not a true believer. Verse 24, to this you have been called. I just said that. See, because I understand God and how he thinks, you know, that that's what happens. I, I say things, and right there, the next scripture is right there. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. So this, we should follow his steps, of course, as far as what he did, but also in his suffering as well. Okay, and that's what this is talking about. Some people have taken this out of context and say, hey, follow the example you know, commandment keeping. Well, there's another scripture that explains that in First John chapter two, verse six. Um, I guess we can turn there here. Let's turn there here. Let me read that to you real quick. First John chapter two, verse six tells you that we ought to follow his example as far as what he did, other than suffering. First John chapter two, verse six: Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. And one of the things that he did. When he walked, was uh, he walked into a Jewish synagogue every Shabbat, and he kept the Sabbath. So that's something that we should do, and that's found in Luke uh, chapter four. If uh, you care to read that. So anyway, back to First Peter chapter two. Now, of course, many Christians can't go to Jewish synagogues, but you do the best you can. You assemble, and you rest as he commanded everyone to do. The fourth commandment, yeah, listen to this program. And, you know, I'm not the only one out here preaching Torah, okay? There's other people to listen to. But you should listen to me as well, okay? And listen to other people uh, that teach Torah as well. And if you want to know who those other people is, email me. I can tell you. Okay, but anyway, First Peter chapter um, 2 and... Um, I'm very, I'm, I'm very careful not to toot my horn. I mean, I know there's other people other than myself. I don't believe I'm the only person on the earth preaching the truth. There's a few other people, few, out there that's preaching the truth. Um, verse 21, for this, verse 24, to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you might follow in his steps, follow in his steps. Verse 22, he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. In other words, he didn't lie. He wasn't deceptive. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Now, this is a, a significant scripture, folks, okay? And this is slaps Christianity in the face when they preach this grace thing and and that we, and you know, Romans chapter 6 explains you that just because you have grace doesn't mean you, that you shouldn't obey the law. You should study that. That is a foundational passage of Scripture to understand. But anyway, in 1 Peter chapter 2, 
verse 24. It says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. He died on the cross so that we can live to righteousness. What's righteousness? Psalm 119, verse 172 is all of God's commandments. He died on the cross so that we could properly keep the commandments, not to stop keeping them. By his wounds you have been healed. Totally. Physically and spiritually. Verse 25. For you were straying like sheep, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Which is Jesus, or Yeshua Messiah. Yeshua is his Hebrew name. For Jesus. Okay, so... Um, let's go over Colossians 3, verses 18 to 25. And see, you know, the gentleman, you know, if I would have kept on listening to him, I would not have been able to get done with this Bible study. Obviously, he's he has an issue, I think, uh, with authority. Uh seemed like that's what his issue was. So, yeah, and I, I didn't want to, you know, I mean, we all had that issue, folks. That's why we all sin. And we need to all stop sinning and just be humble and, and realize that we must be ruled by our eternal creator and, and, and anyone who he desires for us to be over us. That starts with your relationship with your parents, as we're going to see here, okay? If you don't respect righteous parents, and I can understand if your parents are wicked, you should still respect them, but that's a difficult situation. But more often than not, parents are decent, okay, and they raise their kids pretty decent in this country, okay, and we just don't want to obey them. So they're basic rules, like don't keep the television on at a certain time. We do it anyway, right? Uh, you need to go to bed at a certain time. We do it. We, we don't care, you know, etc. You know, <laughs> simple stuff that we disobey our parents with. Okay, uh, that happens more often than not in this country and around the world that we should not be doing. Colossians, and we all been guilty of it. Every single last one of us. Colossians chapter three, verse eighteen. So this is the family structure, folks. And right now, in the most popular state and most influential state one of the most influential states in the United States, we have a historic event that has happened June 25, 2011, that the state of New York, powerful New York, has recognized that marriage can also be between a man and a man and a woman and woman. They're sticking their finger up to God. That's what they're doing. And I guarantee you that God will let them know that he does not like it. Colossians chapter 3. I can say that with confidence. <laughs> Colossians chapter 3 verse 18. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children that not they become discouraged. Slaves or employees, obey in everything those who are your earthly bosses, not by way of eye service as people pleases, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. And then for masters or bosses, bosses treat employees justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a boss in heaven. So that's something to leaders. Uh, you better treat your employees properly or else 
you're going to be judged by the overall master in heaven. All right, so that's something that we, we need to, to adhere to and, and we need to uh, pay attention to. Now, uh, in Ephesians chapter 6, there's another complementary scripture here. Got about 10 minutes left here. And I'm going to get to Jude here. Ephesians chapter 6. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. And by the way, how can a child obey the fifth commandment if he has two fathers and two mothers? This ruling is the genesis of the destruction of society in this country. It's teaching children that not to obey the fifth commandment. It's contributing to it. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. So, children, if you want to live long in the land, obey authority. Obey your father first. That's why it has a father first and mother. Okay? Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. I have some fathers that don't understand this scripture. But... I understand it, and when fathers, the rare times I have upset Kennard, I can see the damage is caused. So you you got to, my son, Kennard Jr., so you have to be gentle but stern when you talk to your children. And don't provoke them because they're provoking. God doesn't blame the children for that. He blames you for it. Anger. Not all anger is wrong. Sometimes anger is justified. And when children cry out and they get angry at their parents for mistreating them, that is righteous indignation. And God blames the fathers for provoking the children to get angry. Let me give you an example. If I drop something on the floor and then my dad tells me to pick it up and then he gives me an hour sermon why I should pick up the... the, the, the and that's ridiculous. I mean, to, to give an hour conversation on why I should pick something up off the floor. I mean, that, that's provoking your children to wrath. How would you like someone to give you an hour sermon on why you should pick something off the floor? Okay, you picked it off the floor. You can maybe get a little five-minute conversation of why it should be done and move on. Okay, that's overdoing it. All right, so it says, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That's what we all need to be doing with our children. And verse 5, Employees, obey your earthly bosses with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you will Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleases, but as service of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is free, slave, or free. Masters or bosses, do the same to them and stop your threatening. So bosses should stop threatening employees, threatening them, they're going to lose their job and all that, okay? Uh, knowing that he who is both their master and yours or boss is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. Okay, a little different phrasing there, but it's the same. Somewhat the same anyway. Okay, so I, I, I think I pretty much explained to you uh, authority and 
think it's pretty clear about that we need to respect authority. And if we don't, we're in trouble, okay? Um, let's go to Jude here because, like I said, this, this is serious, and I know my wife feels the seriousness of this, don't you, about what's happened in New York. Uh, this is some serious crap, you know, and uh, for those people who take this casually, I guarantee you that you ain't going to be taking it casually pretty soon. Uh, I don't know what God is going to do, but I know he's going to let us know he doesn't like this. I know that. I know that much. <laughs> um, yep. Yep, yep. Now, it says right here, um, in the context of Sodom and Gomorrah, in verse 7 of, of Jude, it says, Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulge in sexual immorality and pursue unnatural desires, serve as an example, an example, by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. And I read in Luke chapter 17 that God compared these days we're living in, in the, the days of, of Christ coming back here, his second coming, to the days of Lot. Verse 8. Now, in the context of this, yet in like manner, in like manner, these people also relying on their dreams defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious one. This is in the context of Sodom and Gomorrah. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Even Michael respects the devil's authority. Okay? Michael, the great um, archangel who still, we're trying to figure out who exactly who he is, really. But but uh, Michael, the archangel, a powerful angel, messenger of God, even respects the devil's authority. What an example. What an example. Okay? Verse 10, But these people blaspheme all they do not understand, and they all and, and they are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Woe to them or danger to them. For they walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error and perished in Kor's rebellion. This is all again in the context of Sodom and Gomorrah. Homosexuality and the other sins. Verse 12. These are hidden wreaths at your love feast as they feast with you without fear, shepherds feeding themselves waterless clouds, swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, twice dead, uprooted in waves of the sea, Casting up the foam of their own shame, wandering stars, for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. Now, no surprise to me that this is talking about the second coming of Christ now. Verse 14, it was also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of all their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way. Again, this is in the context of Sodom and Gomorrah. And of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against them, these are grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires. They are loudmouthed boasters showing favoritism to gain advantage. And many of the politicians voted for homosexuality today same-sex marriage, so they can get votes from their constituents. Showing favoritism to gain advantage. Verse 17. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. That's a prophecy that is alive today as I speak. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. 
But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Okay, and that is Jude, the uh, half-brother of Jesus, stating this. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're going to be really going through some tough times here. And uh, we need to be praying for our leaders. Pray for Obama to wake up and, and, and read his Bible and, and, and acknowledge that marriage is between a man and a woman and, and that uh, it's, it's horrifyingly wrong to to teach that this is, is, is proper. And then in Leviticus, if I have time here, Leviticus chapter 22, um, See, I think it's Leviticus chapter eighteen. Yeah, it talks about um, you shall okay in verse twenty. You shall not lie with male as with a woman is an abomination. And it's in verse twenty four, do not make yourselves unclean by any of these things. For by all these, the nations I am driving out before you have become unclean, and the land became unclean, so that I punished its iniquity, and the land vomited out its inhabitants. But you shall keep my statutes and my rules, and do none of these abominations, either the native or the stranger who sojourns among you. For the people of the land who were before you did all these abominations, so that the land became unclean, that not the land vomit you out when you make it unclean, as it vomited out the nation that was before you. For everyone who does any of these abominations, the persons who do them shall be cut off from among the people. So keep my charge never to practice any of these abominable customs, which includes homosexuality, that were practiced before you, and never to make yourselves unclean by them. I am the Lord your God. Our nation has become more unclean now because of what has happened. And may the Lord have mercy on us, because we're going to be going through some tough times now. May God love you, protect you, and keep you, and God willing, I'll be available next week. Malachi chapter 4 For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. 